Well, brothers and sisters, thank the Lord for the speaking uh, in this conference so far. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with his recovery. And the Lord wants to move. The Lord wants to do something particular at this time. And with the Lord, always, his move is by his speaking. Firstly, by his speaking. We see this throughout the whole scripture. The Lord moves by his word. And in these days, he wants to move again. He wants to have a particular move. So he is releasing a particular word. And I do pray that we would be open and have been open to to absorb, to take in the word that has been released in the first two meetings. And, and that even right now, there would be the openness again to receive something of the Lord in, in, in this session. One of the verses on this uh, outline, which I'll cover in a little bit, is Luke 1.53, which says, The hungry he has filled with good things, but the rich he's turned them away. He's turned them away empty. He sent them away empty. Uh, saints, I would, I, would, I would ask, are you hungry? Are, are, are you still hungry? Are you hungry right now? We, we, could, we could ask the Lord, Lord, make me hungry. Oh, saints, every time we come to the Word, every time we come to, the, to, to a, a, a meeting uh, of ministry, we need to, again, be poor in spirit, be emptied, uh, be unloaded, uh, be unoccupied. Uh, sometimes, saints, we're, we're just uh, not available inwardly. And, and we miss, we miss what the blessing that the Lord has for us. So I just pray as we're going through, there would be the, there would be the hunger. And then the Lord would have the way to speak something further and speak something personal. In the, in the first message, of course, you recall, we touched the matter of the place of this nation and what the Lord wants to do in this nation. And it's a marvelous, marvelous thing that the Lord has done throughout the course of human history. The Lord works. Uh, he sets the boundaries. He, he operates, uh, to, for the furtherance of his economy. He, he brings down kingdoms and raises kingdoms. And saints, it's, it's just so clear that the Lord has done something to set this nation apart at the consummation of the age. And the Lord wants to, wants to have the spread of the truth in this country. And we want, we need to stand with him for the spreading of the divine truths. And, uh, we see in, we see in first uh, Timothy chapter three that the church is the house of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. And there's a, there's a, just a rich, rich footnote there in the recovery version. Uh, I would encourage you to take a look at that later. It talks about the living God needs a living church to move with him, to, to operate with him, to cooperate with him. And what this living church needs to do in, at this time is to spread the truths so that there could be in so many towns, so many cities throughout this nation, there could be the pillar and base of the truth. There are seeking ones, dear saints. There are seeking ones. There are people who are seeking the truth and haven't had the opportunity yet. We'll come, we'll come back to this point in, in a little bit. Then in the second message, the matter of the oneness, the one accord, how we must treasure the oneness, the one accord. When we have the oneness, we have the blessing. When we have the oneness, the Lord is able to do beyond what we can ask or think. And uh, as a result of these messages, especially me- message two, something that uh, I believe the Lord brought brought to me uh, was Ezekiel 37, this picture in Ezekiel 37, where you have the valley of the dry bones, the valley of dry bones. And of course, this represents uh, God's, God's people. And the intention, eventually, when you, when you read the first half of that chapter, you see that what he wants is an exceeding great army. He wants an army. But when you look on the situation of God's people, dry bones, very dry. That means there's death, and there's been death for some time. But 
There's speaking. There is the word. There is the breath that is both the spirit and the word that enlivens these bones. But it's very interesting that firstly, the bones have to come together. The bone, bone to his bone. It's not that they become alive first. It's that the bones have to come together. This really matches even the, the sequence of these, uh, uh, of these messages. And after the bones come together, oh, there's an enlivening. There's the, the breath comes. You know, there's a speaking in the, in Ezekiel 37, both to the bones and to the breath. And he, uh, sorry, to the wind. But, but the speaking to the wind is, oh breath. Oh breath. Actually, the wind and the breath, just the same, is the spirit. But what, what causes the spirit to come? It's the word. So it's the word and the spirit. Saints, this is our need right now, right now. We need the word and the spirit to come to all the dry, dry bones. And there needs to be a kind of response from us, out of the Lord speaking. And that brings us to this message. And the title of message three is Becoming Vital to Practice the New Testament Priesthood of the Gospel. So the main point here is vitality, livingness. It's a matter of life. Oh, dear saints, dear saints, yes, we, we, we are praying for the Lord's move. We, the Lord wants to do something in this country. And even for this, there needs to be some kind of activity. There needs to be some response, even some outward response in, 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 in many cases. But, but we are not promoting any movement of man. We are not interested in stirring up something emotional, uh, and, and the, the result, the result will not be God's testimony in this age. The result will not be the preparation of the bride. So what we need is something of life. We need, we need the, the breath to come to enliven the dry bones. And, and they stood an exceeding great army. The Lord does need that army. The Lord does need that army today. But how does that come? That comes from a transaction a transaction between the bones and the breath, between the bones and the wind. Actually, we have another picture in Ezekiel. That's in Ezekiel chapter 1. We're, I think, all familiar with, with this story of the, the four living creatures. And then there's a, great, there's a great wheel. There's a great wheel. And that wheel is the, the, the move of God on the earth. It's the move of his economy. You could also say it's the church. But... That wheel, that great wheel, has another wheel. And there's a wheel within the wheel. Oh, this is, this is precious. There's a wheel that drives the big wheel. And so for God's economy to move on the earth, for God to make progress in what he wants to do on the earth, the inner wheel has to turn. And you might say, you might say this, the inner wheel is Christ. Yes, certainly. The, the inner wheel is Christ. But I would say the inner wheel is Christ in you and Christ in me. The Christ in me has to move for God's economy to move because today God moves in the principle of incarnation. Dear saints, we all need God's move within us. And that brings us to this outline. This outline is talking about personal revival. This is point, point one. I'll just jump into this. The God-ordained way starts from our personal revival. The Christian revival occurs in the morning. Saints, we need God's move every morning, every morning. I know, I know that so many of us, I I think the majority of us, have the practice of morning revival. We spend time with the Lord in his word. But we have to consider, do we have God's fresh touch. God's fresh move. It's very easy. I think we've all experienced. It's very easy. We have the practice, but the practice becomes merely a practice, a little dry. Now, I would caution, I would say, any contact with the Word of God is valuable. So, don't have, 
don't don't have the uh, allow the concept to come in that oh I remember when I was uh, uh, very young that we had a kind of a turmoil in the recovery and and some people twisted some of the things that uh, uh, to say we're not, we're not for religion what is religion to do something for God but without Christ so if your morning watch is for God but without Christ put it aside no don't do that that's that's foolish that was really the enemy taking advantage no we need to have those times with the Lord but we need to ask the Lord Lord in this time touch me in this time I want to touch you you know I, I was uh, reminded of that portion with that woman who had the flow of blood and and she she considers just touch just one touch and I'll be healed. Just one touch. I prayed that to the Lord this morning. Lord, I just one touch. Saints, we shouldn't have the concept that it's difficult to be revived. In two minutes, we can be revived. We may have the, the feeling, oh, uh, I've been away from the Lord for some time. And saints, we need to take the Lord's word, not our feeling. Our feeling's not the reality. We need to take the Lord's word. The Lord promised us that he's always near, that he's with us all the time. It's not a difficult thing. Actually, there might be things in the way. This is what is, is touched upon here. Let's, let's read through, through the outline. Easy to remove the barriers. Easy to remove the barriers. We must be those, uh, point A, who are revived. This should be a morning revival based upon God's natural law. Of course, we have these verses from Lamentations that we enjoyed very much in the recent uh, training. His compassions are new every morning. We, we, can, we have the possibility of having a new beginning every morning. Saints, for God's move in this country, it depends on having a new beginning every morning and every morning. A Christian, uh, a Christian's life should be one that follows the moving of the sun. When the sun rises, we should rise with it. We keep rising until the full day. The first step in the exercise of the Spirit is to call on the name of the Lord and to pray, which is to speak to the Lord. The calling plus the speaking to the Lord are like a man's deep breathing. And again, we have verses from Lamentations 3. Uh, earlier, it's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Here, it's Lamentations 3, 55 and 56. Which, which mentioned that our calling, our crying to the Lord is our breathing. Saints, in the morning, the first thing with the Lord, we need to breathe. We need to breathe. We need to not focus on the practice. Not focus on getting through these verses. Not focus on, oh, how does this connect? Yeah, yes, eventually through the week, if we're going to have a rich time on the Lord's day to, for our prophecy, you have to study. Not at that time. At that time, breathe. And, and the thing is, to breathe actually has two parts. There's exhaling plus inhaling. Sometimes we only think about calling as our receiving, receiving something. But actually, fellowship, our fellowship with the Lord has to be not only a receiving, but a losing, a giving up, a, a discharge. You know, often we, we have this, uh, the picture of the, the blood, also of transformation, uh, uh, um, petrific, petrification. You know this, this picture where the, eventually the, the wood becomes stone in a river and there's a, there's a flow. And that flow is a picture of fellowship. But you realize that there's a discharge from that element first. And then something comes in to fill it. Yes, it's under the supply, under the dispensing. The same with the flow of our blood. The flow of our blood is a kind of picture. The circulation is fellowship. But there is both a supply coming in of oxygen and all that that does spontaneously. But you realize there's also a discharge of waste. Saints, when we're with the Lord, we need to have a deep breathing to discharge what's within us. Let's continue reading here. Some of the things we discharge, or the first thing we discharge is sin. But there are other things too. Point two says, the second step in the exercise of the Spirit is to pray read the Lord's Word. This will fully mingle the Lord's Word with our spirit. 
in our time with the Lord, the main thing is to clear up our conscience, to get rid of our inner condemnation. This is done by making a thorough confession of all our failures, defects, defeats, wrongdoings, mistakes, and sinfulness to the Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to, we need to discharge all these things. We need to exhale, just like that famous hymn 255. Oh, I'm breathing out my sorrow, breathing out my sin, breathing, breathing, breathing all your fullness in. If you look at that hymn, this is by A.B. Simpson, you would realize nearly every verse, it lists things we breathe out and things we breathe in. But breathing out is first. We even need to breathe out our disappointments. It could be that in these months, because of the situation, we're quite disappointed. We're quite unhappy. We're not content with the Lord's sovereign arrangement in the environment. Even that we need to let go, to breathe out, so that so that vitality can be breathed in. The Lord can be fresh to us. Oh, brothers and sisters, firstly, yes, we need to have a, conf- a, a thorough confession of failures, defects, defeats, all our sins, all our mistakes, all our defeats. But there could be other things cluttering us within. We need to unload so that, so that there can be freshness within us. And this affects our going out. This, you know, this, this message is eventually about the priesthood. It's about bringing God to man and man to God. The first one we have to bring to God is ourselves. Then when we go to others, if we're still cluttered, if we're uh, uh, occupied, we know the truth. We even speak the truth, but there won't be freshness. And it won't convince anyone. That's what the next point is about. Point Roman 2, to be vital means to be living and active. And vital groups are composed of vital persons who are living and active to gain the increase for the church. Vitality is spiritual reality. Saints, don't you crave the spiritual reality. We have so many truths. We saw this in, in the, the first message. We're blessed with so much in the ministry of the age, but we need more reality. And, and that comes, that comes by being revived every morning. It starts here, brothers and sisters. It starts with these times with the Lord so that, so that the things within us that are preventing the flow even preventing our being open to the burden of migration. Uh, we'll see this in, in, in the next message. There are many things that are around us that could be pr- stopping us, blocking us. Even, even we, we don't want to hear about, forget about, don't focus on that. Just be with the Lord. Be with the Lord. Say, Lord, I just, I just need to touch you. If I touch you, I will be healed. And have the faith he's with you, brothers and sisters. He's with us. Vitality is spiritual reality. The spirit of reality will have a way to start to operate and discharge the things that need to be discharged and guide us into the reality of everything we've ever heard from the scripture and from the the ministry. He will do this. He wants to do this. This is his job in this age, to guide us into reality. He just needs an, an opening. The reality of the high truths and the spiritual riches is vitalization. B, although many Christians in the United States are worldly, there is a remnant among them who have a spiritual hunger for reality. That is for the Lord himself. This Here we have this verse that I mentioned earlier, Luke 1, 53. The vitality of the saints, the spiritual reality in their daily life, will touch the seeking ones and satisfy their spiritual hunger. Vitality is the most convincing factor. Dear saints, we're all burdened. We've all been burdened for the increase in our place. And now we're praying for the heartland. We're praying for the Bible Belt. We're praying that some could go. But if we go and we're not vital, we're not going to gain the seeking ones. Even the Lord brings seeking ones to us. They won't be convinced by us. In the past, even even where I've been, we try to adjust meetings to be more palatable for the new ones that we could reach. But if the constituents of the meeting are not vital, all those things, they're not going to work. They won't have, they won't bring in the remaining fruit. But vitality 
Oh, brothers and sisters, even a, a young mother, a young mother who, who is re- really revived going to the market with her baby could touch someone and, and cause them to reconsider their Christian walk. Just a little word. If someone just at our job, in our school, it, if we have the real vitality, the Lord is just, will just flow. That, that is the convincing factor. When people come to our meetings, they won't be just uh, think, oh, you have different practices. Have you heard that? You ask, oh, how, how, what did you think of the meeting? Oh, it's different. Oh, how many times have we gotten that? Oh, it's different, and they're not used to everyone sharing, and that's not enough, brothers and sisters. That means they were just impressed by practices, and maybe maybe by the, the truth, a little different or even higher, but without the reality, they won't be convinced. Some of us have experienced this. When we came to the Lord's recovery, we saw the vitality. That was the first thing that caught us. Then the truth kept us. Brothers and sisters, we need to be going to all these cities as vital ones, as vital ones. We end with the way, some practical fellowship, how to be vitalized. Okay, 3a says, as we consider God's compassions to us and meditate on the Lord's love in saving us, we will be stirred up in the best love for the Lord through repenting prayers. This will cause us to be vitalized. Saints, um, Paul, he charges in Romans uh, ch- chapter 12 through the compassions of God. He, ch- he begs the saints. He beseeches the saints. Present yourselves. We, there's a call in this conference to present ourselves to the Lord. But, but it ha- the response has to be from touching the compassions of God. If we touch the compassions of God, there will be a response. And, and, and saints, here it talks about meditating on the Lord's love in saving us. I hope you consider this. Yes, the Lord's table, you know, is so rich in so many aspects. But I wonder, when was the last time you wept at a table meeting? Just touched by the Lord's love in saving you. Paul, the apostle in Galatians 2.20, right? He, the, the verse on living Christ. He, he says, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The thought, the concept, the, the truth is conveyed already if he would have stopped there. But he's compelled to add, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The, the, the apostle was driven by the saving love of Christ, by the compassion. The aged John on the island of Patmos, he's charged to write the, the, the vision, to send the vision to the churches. And in Revelation 1, 5, he talks about Jesus Christ, the, the faithful witness. Him who, who has released us from our sins by his blood. He, he could have been in his 90s by this time. Still, he was thankful to the Lord for being released from his sins. You know, in Luke 7, that woman who, who comes and weeps on the Lord's feet, that, that portion shows the more you're forgiven, the more you will love. Our, our failure shouldn't keep us away. Our failure should bring us to the Lord who can cleanse us. When we touch his forgiveness, love will flow. And we can consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And we can be in his move at that time. Nothing should keep us from what the Lord is is doing today. Point B, we also need to have close, intimate, and thorough fellowship with the Lord and with the seeking saints. We need to get companions with, with, with whom we can labor. Uh, I'll come back to this. After we get our companions in fellowship, we must learn to take the lead to reconsecrate ourselves to the Lord. This is based on, Revela- on uh, Romans 12, uh, 1, to present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord in being transformed by the renewing of the mind. This is verse 2. From being fashioned according to this age, and then in verse 11, not being slothful in zeal, but burning in spirit to serve the Lord. Eventually, if we touch the Lord's love, it, it our consecration will flow. Will, firstly, our body. Saints, 
in these days, there's the need for some to offer our body, even to relocate, to move. But saints, all of us, whether we go or stay where we are, we need to be vitalized. This is the, this is the crucial need. If we are vitalized, the Lord will be able to move and send whom he wants to send. Point D, uh, when we pass through the stages of fellowship, confession, and consecration, we enter into a prayer life. It is in the prayer life that we pray ourselves into the spirit, the essential spirit, the economical spirit, the all-inclusive spirit. Then we learn how to follow this spirit by exercising our spirit. If this is the case with us, we are really vital. But saints, I would encourage you, go through this process. Go pass through this process. Fellowship, confession, consecration. And then when we're brought into the Spirit, pray. But the first thing we should pray is, Lord, not who do I shepherd, but Lord, give me a companion. Who can I be vital with? Our vitality will be sustained and maintained in the vital companionship. We have the example here of Daniel. We don't have time to get into it. Saints, we need, we need vital companions to sustain the vitality. But the key, saints, the key is to come back, to return to the Lord every morning and tell him, Lord, just one touch. I need to touch you. I want to touch you. And allow him the room within us, the room to operate so that he can discharge whatever's cluttering us. Have the real breathing, the real breathing. Then when we touch the word, when we touch the word, life will come, light will come, vitality will come. Then we're ready to go as the priests to others, to bring God to man and man to God. And our brother, Craig Birchler, will cover this point and take it from here. Before coming to Roman numeral four, I'd like to remind us of the title for this message. It's Becoming Vital. That means becoming living and active to practice the New Testament priesthood of the gospel. The first part of this outline emphasized very much on our practice to be living. The second part of this outline that we'll now cover focuses very much on the practice in being active, and particularly that we would be active in the New Testament priesthood of the gospel. The Bible is a book that reveals God's desire for all of his people to be priests. Even this revelation begins right away in the first chapter of the Bible. And the main thing with a priest is a priest is someone who comes forward to God, to contact God, to spend time with God, to be filled with God, so that the priest could express and represent God. A priest is also someone who comes forth from God to man, to impart God into man. A priest is also someone who comes from man to God, to bring man's needs before God. But when we come to the New Testament, in Romans chapter 15, verse 16, Paul brings out a very particular duty of a priest, of a New Testament priest. Romans 15, 16 says that I might be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, a laboring priest of the gospel of God in order that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, having been sanctified in the Holy Spirit. In this verse, Paul says that one of the duties of a priest in the New Testament is to preach the gospel of God to the Gentiles, to the sinners, to gain them, to add them, to Christ, to the corporate Christ, so that this would become an offering which is acceptable to God. So now let's come to the outline, Roman numeral four. In Romans fifteen sixteen, 
Paul says that he was a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, an energizing priest of the gospel of God to offer the Gentiles to God. Then point A, as an energizing priest of the gospel of God, Paul was such a New Testament priest, busy in the gospel of God. So in Romans 15, 16, Paul doesn't just say that he was a priest of the gospel of God. He says he was a laboring priest or energizing priest. Or that word could also mean to be made active. He was a priest who was laboring, who was energized, who was made active in the preaching of the gospel. So today, we all need to realize that we are priests, priests to God. And we need to be active, energized, laboring in the preaching of the gospel so that we too could offer the Gentiles, the sinners, to God. So now, continuing with the outline, point B, it is God's intention for all of his chosen ones to be priests. In Revelation chapter 1, it says God made us a kingdom of priests. In point 1 under B, in the New Testament, all the believers are priests. Not individualistically, but in a corporation to become a priesthood. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, God has made us into a holy priesthood. We are a body of priests. We are to carry out our priestly duty, our priestly service, not individualistically, but together with the fellow New Testament priests. This is why in the fellowship of the vital groups, we were helped to see that we first ourselves need to come to the Lord to be made vital, to be made living by Him. But then we also need to seek the Lord that He would join us with some other vital companions so that together with our fellow New Testament priests, we could be active in the preaching of the gospel. So brothers and sisters, as we touch this matter of practicing the New Testament priesthood of the gospel, we should not consider carrying this out individualistically, but seeking the Lord, that the Lord would join us with others, that together we would be energized, we would be made active in the preaching of the gospel. So point two under B, according to Romans fifteen sixteen, today we are priests of the gospel of God. We all need to declare, I am a priest of the gospel of God. Well, saints, it's one thing to admit it. It's one thing to declare it. But it's another thing to do it, to preach the gospel. So we should declare, I am a priest of the gospel of God. Then we should go and preach the gospel. Now we come to point C. And point C is needed because we may read Romans 15, 16. And we may have a thought, well, that's Paul. And I'm not Paul. I'm not like Paul. I cannot do what Paul did. But point C says the unique pattern of the priests of the gospel in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. Since he is a pattern, whatever he did should be done by us. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, Paul considered himself the least of the least among the saints. But he considered himself as a pattern of Christ Jesus, of how Christ, by his mercy, took Paul a sinner and made him a priest, made him a minister. And Paul was a pattern 
to us, to encourage us that if God could do it in Paul, God can also do it in us. This was Paul's thought about himself. Not that he was unique among God's people, but rather God used him as a pattern of what God can do in a sinner. So this is why in 2 Thessalonians 3.9, Paul spoke of himself and those in the Lord's work, that they were a pattern to the believers so that we would imitate them. That means so that we would do what they do. So with this, let's consider, how did Paul, as a pattern, how did he do his work? as a priest of the gospel. And for this, we'll read through point D. We need to see how Paul did his work as a priest of the gospel in three steps of offering. And as we go through these three steps, we'll see they very much follow the four steps of the God-ordained way. One, first, Paul saved sinners to offer them to God as acceptable sacrifices. We have to labor daily on the sinners, visiting people to impart Christ into them, making them parts of Christ, the increase of Christ, whom we offer to God. So this is the first step of the God-ordained way, going to the sinners to beget them. Then two, second, he brought the believers up to lead them to present themselves to God as living sacrifices. We must feed the spiritual babes as nursing mothers that they may grow in life and then beg them to present themselves to God as a living sacrifice. Well, this is the second step, the God-ordained way. After we beget some, We need to continue to visit them, to feed them, to nourish them, to cause them to grow, and to tell them how they should live as a Christian, and even exhort them to live this way, till eventually these ones who we begot and have nourished would eventually offer themselves to God as a living sacrifice. Then three, third, he admonished and taught every saint in all wisdom, to present each one full-grown in Christ. We need to teach and admonish the saints, as Paul did, face-to-face, from house-to-house, ministering Christ to them, that they may grow in life. Well, this is very much uh, the third and fourth step of the God-ordained way, the perfecting and the building up through prophesying. You'll notice the verse reference here. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And I'd like us to just pay attention to what Paul said in verse 29. For which also I labor, struggling according to his operation, which operates in me in power. So Paul, in carrying out his duty as a New Testament priest, he says, He labored in this. He struggled in this. Yet his labor, his struggle, was not according to his natural ability and natural strength. But he confessed it was according to God's operation in him. And this operation in him was in power. So saints, when we consider our duty to preach the gospel... Don't consider your natural ability or strength or your lack of ability or strength. Come to God. Come to the energizing God, the living and active God, and let Him operate in you, in power, to enable you, to strengthen you, just like He did with Paul, to carry out the New Testament priesthood. So with this, we move on to... Roman numeral five, to consider how do we function in the New Testament priesthood. All of us must function 
in the New Testament priesthood as priests of the gospel. Preaching the gospel is our daily life, our daily work, and even our daily duty as New Testament priests. Whenever we preach the gospel to sinners, we must have the deep sensation that we are the energizing priests, struggling and endeavoring to do our daily duty to fulfill our priesthood. This becomes a daily matter in our daily service to the Lord. In Acts 5.42, in the early church, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, from place to place, they did not cease teaching and announcing the gospel of Jesus as the Christ. This was not just a a periodic preaching of the gospel. This was something that was done daily by the church. Through what? Through the believers, through the saints, in their daily living, in the places where they were, day by day, they would contact people to preach the gospel. Then B, to fulfill our daily duty, we must be energizing priests. That means laboring, active priests. One, we should preach the gospel to go out with Christ and with his divine authority to visit our relatives, friends, classmates, colleagues, and neighbors. So firstly, we must go, go go out with Christ and go out knowing that he has given all authority to the church. We have his authority to go out with the gospel. And who should we visit? Here you'll see it's not to visit cold doors, not even to just go door knocking, but rather to visit acquaintances, people that we already know, to visit our relatives, our friends, our classmates, our colleagues, and our neighbors. We should be active to make a list of our acquaintances, of the ones we know. And then we should consider before the Lord, which ones should we visit? So this is point two. We must go out to preach the gospel with much prayer so that our going will be our being sent by the Lord. So after making a list of our acquaintances, don't run out the door to go visit. Rather, begin to pray over that list. And as you pray over that list, the Lord will call cause maybe two or three of these ones to be very much in your heart. And we should realize the Lord is now sending us to these ones. These are the ones we should focus on for now. And we should consider before the Lord. When should we visit them? How should we visit them? Then point three under B. We need to take the preaching of the gospel as our duty and do it regularly, constantly, and continuously by making a budget of our time. It's our duty, brothers and sisters. And we need to make a budget of our time, of our weekly time. Now, in this matter, whether or not this can be worked out with us depends upon our endeavoring. And I'd like to share with you five points regarding our endeavoring to work out our duty as a New Testament priest of the gospel. The first point is we should make a strong decision, even a vow before the Lord, to gain someone each year for the Lord. Then point two, we should spend, budget our time to spend two to three hours per week to contact people for the gospel for their salvation. Now, this does not mean that we need to, at one time, in one day, spend two to three hours to contact people for the gospel. No, this could be done throughout the week. Maybe one day we take 30 minutes just to pray for certain ones. 
That's part of the two to three hours. Then we may take another 30 minutes with our vital companions to consider the two or three that the Lord is leading us to contact, to consider them and to consider what is the best way to contact these ones. Then we may spend another period of time during the week to prepare something to send to these ones or to speak to these ones. And then we may use another portion of time during the week to actually go and personally contact these ones. So we see, not so hard throughout the week to spend two or three hours to contact people for the gospel. So three, we need to schedule our time. We need to make a plan. When? During our week, will we go out to contact the sinners, to preach the gospel? Then four, we need to practice contacting people. That means we just need to go, whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel we are ready or not. You know, some may have the thought, I need to keep spending time with the Lord till I reach a certain level of vitality, till I reach a certain level of being living with the Lord before I can be active to go out. Actually, we need to contact the Lord, seek the Lord, and then we just need to go, go according to the burden that the Lord puts within us for certain ones. Just go and practice to contact them. Then five, if we go out to contact ones and there's not much success or result in our contacting of them, Don't stop. Don't say it doesn't work. Just go back to the Lord. Contact the Lord in a desperate way. Seek the Lord. Open up to the Lord. Repent to the Lord. Let the Lord touch you in a further way, in a deeper way. And then go out again to contact the sinners. Eventually, we will gain some for the Lord. So now, let's come to Roman numeral 6. This says, we must labor in a personal way for the increase of the church. I'd like to just point out, why does it say labor in a personal way? Well, there's two aspects of this. The first aspect is we need to labor in a way of personal contact with people. Go and visit. Go and contact people personally. Then secondly, this aspect is related to our natural concept. A natural concept with the preaching of the gospel is we need to organize and arrange a gospel preaching meeting and invite someone who is good at preaching the gospel. And we will help to arrange the meeting. We will help to set up the chairs. We will help with the singing. We will pray during the meeting. We will invite people to that meeting. But we're not the ones personally preaching the gospel. We're looking to someone else to preach the gospel. But in this way, brothers and sisters, we need to be the ones who do it. We need to be the ones who preach the gospel. If you consider Acts 8.4, where there was the persecution of, of the church in Jerusalem, and there was a forced migration because of that persecution. And in Acts 8.4, it says, Those, therefore, who were scattered... And that forced migration went throughout the land, announcing the word as the gospel. When they went to new cities, migrated there and announced the gospel, surely they didn't do it by arranging gospel meetings. They must have done this through their meeting of people, their contacting of people one by one. Now, point A says, today our gospel preaching is our gathering of material for the building of God's house. In Haggai 1.8, through the prophet, the Lord wanted his people to consider their ways because they had neglected the building of his house. And he told them, you, you need to go up to the mountain. You need to get wood to build the house. And the Lord says he will take pleasure in this. Today the Lord is asking us, you need to go. Go, go contact the sinners. Go up to the mountain. Go where, to where the sinners are. And get the wood, get the material for the building up of the church. We need to consider our ways. You know, as we get families, it's easy. Once we get families, or we become a family with young children, we can easily be consumed 
with the well-being of our children. Or when we have a job, we can easily be occupied with doing our job. But we need to consider how we're using our time and budget our time for the gospel. Even in this pandemic, it's not been easy going out. But the Lord touched me recently. You still need to go to contact sinners. And I just cried out, Lord, give me someone to speak the gospel to. Then the Lord, through my small group, through a brother in my small group, brought us into contact with a sinner who needs to be saved. And now we're looking to the Lord how to contact this one for the gospel. Okay, B says, we need new blood, newly saved ones. All the churches must pay attention to this. We must make a strong decision to labor in a personal way for the increase of the church. You know, if a nation doesn't bear children, then eventually that nation won't exist. The church, to continue existing, must gain new ones, must preach the gospel. Then see, we, what we need today is the proper increase due to our labor. We need solid members for the solid building. The Lord needs some saints to practice the priesthood of the gospel according to His ordained way. Then the Lord will have a way. The Lord needs some saints. These ones are His overcomers. These are the ones who are practicing the vital group church life to be living and to be active. And in their being active, they practice the priesthood of the gospel. Let's be these ones. Let's give the Lord a way. Now with this, let's come to Roman numeral 7. It says, we need to be one with God in His history, His moving and energizing, in His, over, in His loving overcomers. That is, we need to be one with God in life, in living, and in our entire doing today on this earth. We need to write God's today's history. <clears throat> we need to march on as one with the energizing God. In Him, with Him, by Him, and for Him. We need to be vital, living, and active. Saints, today, on this earth, God's history, God's move, God's laboring, God's working is carried out in His loving overcomers. We need to seek to be the Lord's loving overcomers, to be joined with Him, to be one with Him in life and living. And saints, our entire doing today on this earth. What are we doing on this earth today? Are we merely living out human history? Or is our human history altogether involved with God's history? We need to be those through whom God can write His today's history on this earth. We need to march on as one with the energizing God. We need to labor with Him. We need to be active in the Gospel, in Him, with Him, by Him, and for Him. We need to be the vital, living, and active ones today. Amen.